These aren't, is that as big as they'll go? Okay, no problem. So um, I got to go, uh, I didn't get to go, I chose to go. But Isaac had texted me this summer and um, wanted to know if I wanted to go to the Truth and Liberty Coalition Conference in uh, Woodland Park, Colorado. And it's at Andrew Womack's college. Um, he has a, co a Bible college called Karis Bible School. And uh, we all signed up to go to this Truth and Liberty. Um, it's called Truth and Liberty Coalition, and they had a conference, and it was, it was incredible. I went there this uh, September, and these are just some images that I shared from it. Um, Isaac and Kirk were supposed to go with me, but they had to bail at the last moment. So, uh, and that's a story in itself, for, honestly, because when, you know, when people bail on plans, it, the tendency is just to, like, to cancel the whole thing. We're, I'm not going to go either. So I ended up just going by myself. Um, just felt the Holy Spirit telling me that I needed to go. It was a really cool event. Um, these are some of the pictures. I wish they were a little bit bigger, but uh, I shared them this morning, and I was just part of the body. It was amazing. I mean, to be in a, I mean, I was in Colorado in Woodland Park, and just to be a part of this body of <clears throat> united believers, all finished work people. I mean, I didn't know anybody there. I was by myself. Which I, I like to do stuff like that, just kind of throw myself uh, into a, an unknown situation. And what, what this, um, what the Truth and Liberty Coalition is, I mean, there's a, there's a team of people and their, kind of their mantra is educate, unify, and mobilize. And it's calling all patriots to action. It says, have you ever considered how to respond to harmful curriculum in your children's schools? Are you wondering what you can do to preserve election integrity? Do you want to take a stand for religious liberty but don't know how to start? America needs you. Our nation is facing significant challenges to its foundational principles. Government-mandated lockdowns, restrictions on worship, widespread rioting, and the indoctrination of our children with ungodly beliefs are targeting our long-held traditional values. For Christians and patriots, this is an opportunity a call to action. Now is the time for the church to stand for biblical truth in the public square. I knew nothing about this uh, before Isaac texted me. I mean, I've listened to Andrew Womack, whether it was by choice or not. Like, my dad always had Andrew Womack on, like, when we were driving up north and stuff. And I was like, who is this dude, man? He's got this, you know, this twang to his voice, and it was just... I, I always knew he was a really good teacher, but I didn't really know much about him. And one of our good friends, uh, Jacob Graber and uh, Becca Rufer, they moved out there, and then he went to Andrew's school. So I linked up with them when I was out there, and that was awesome, just deep speaking unto deep. I mean, they just, like, they were able to... Jacob went with me to day one of the conference, and, man, we just had chills, um... These guys would, there, I mean, there wasn't a mask in sight. And regardless of your political belief, I'm not going to stand up here and talk politics, but to be in a group of people who all believe in the same thing with no fear present was incredible. I mean, this place held like, I don't know, it's the, it'd be the biggest stadium I've like been to that whole, for seating for like an event. And there was a couple thousand people there. 
I would say that Jacob and I, I mean, I'm 31, he's 32 probably. We were probably like some of the youngest people there. And like, I wish there was more young people there because we need to all be kind of raised up and continuing the church and continuing the finished work. But we were just surrounded by amazing believers. And I got to meet Andrew. Um, I did a panel workshop too. And it was called How the Local Church Can Make a Difference in 2022. And so all the people that were like the keynote speakers were... So Andrew spoke, and then Dwayne Sheriff, he is a... So Karis Bible School, they... It's not, it's not like a... It, it, it's a place where you go to learn how to plant a church, but they don't really do church there. And they don't want the people that go to their... Like, Jacob goes to the Bible school, but like they started their own church locally. So when we were there, there was all people from the surrounding areas that have their own churches or they are a pastor. And so they were just all there doing the keynote speaking. It was fantastic. Um, Mario Marillo spoke on night one, and that dude was just on fire. I mean, <clears throat> here, I call it like careful Christianity. We gotta, you know, we're very sensitive to people's feelings here. You don't want to offend anybody because when you live in a town like I do in Marchfield with 4,500 people, you offend one person, that snowballs quick. Now all of a sudden, Trey Smith's got a bad, kind of a bad image. So we're really careful of what we say, how we say it. We want to make sure our delivery is a nice soft pat on the back. We don't want to say anything too bold. So when I was here, I'm like, dude, this is like what I need. People just saying stuff, take it or leave it. Shoe fits, wear it. And I love that stuff. So Mario Murillo, he could care less about feelings. He's speaking in a very loud fashion. And then on day two, we got to uh, hear E.W. Jackson, and that guy was fantastic. I mean, you talk about crippling racism right off the start. Guy just says, if you want, if you want to stop, you know, separating blacks and whites, Mexicans, and every other uh, cultural diversity, stop calling me an African-American, call me an American. So hearing things like this, it was like a balm to my soul because society wants us to think that there is a lot of differences and tensions and that we're not united. That's garbage. Like, we're united. And how the local church can help this in 2022 and moving forward is we have to start with a united belief. So we have these cards, like the Revelation Rock cards, that say, what do we believe? Who are we? What do we stand for? And like these guys say, like Richard Harris, he's the guy who was doing the emceeing. He used to be an attorney. And this guy, man, he's so, he's articulate. He just commands your presence. Like he's up there and you're just like, I want to listen to this guy. So, you know, they have this, they have this motto that if it starts with three people, fine. If it starts with 20, fine. But how can our church make a difference in 2022? It's go back and relay the message and everyone get on board. If you're not on board, that's fine. There might be a different ship for you. But if we're going to be going in the right direction, rowing in the same direction, we've got to be in step. So that was their biggest thing is don't think that what you believe and what you can do at a local level doesn't matter. It does. What starts here and what we believe here can snowball in a good in a good way, and we're not, you know, they're not 
they didn't send us out to like, hey, go grow your church of 100 people, make it 2,000. No, they want people to grow organically. They should, people should want to come here or be a part of our lives based on what they see. Based on their interactions with me and you and everyone else here, how we carry ourselves and our demeanor and how we go about with the finished work, they, that should attract them. It shouldn't be bashing them over the head with the Bible telling them how wrong they are. So when I was there, I mean, we had all these breakout uh, groups. They had people that were like Lo- Lauren Bobert. Um, she was there as well. She was one of the keynote speakers, and uh, she's a U.S. representative. She's serving her first term for the uh, Colorado's third congressional district. Man, you want to talk about speaking life into our government? Because that's what we need right now. And so it was interesting because <clears throat> my big my thing today is I'm, I want. I'm going to be preaching on how we need to we need to be aware of what we're asking for. How many times though do we pray for something that we're not going to act on? Or how many times do we want to place doubt on it after we pray for it? You know, how how many of us ask for provision but then all of a sudden something gets in front of us and we want to we, we want to we want to be indecisive and tiptoe around it. Ah, oh, should I? Is that from God? Is that not from God? You know, I, I might as well ask 10 or 12 people and maybe they'll talk me out of it. it just like that trip, I could the easiest thing for me to do, and even talking to my wife, I'm like, well, Isaac bailed, Kirk bailed. I should probably bail, right? I should bail. I could just, I could just tell him, like, Satan just being like, yes, he's not going to go. You know what I mean? He's not going. That's one, that, I, don't, I don't want him to get a hold of this. So that was something that I had to fight. I was just fighting like the physical realm of like, okay, you know, I don't want to go alone. So I was like, I need to go do this. So um, one of the biggest things that they had that I had left with, and Jacob was sitting right beside me, and like we both had chills, and these guys were talking, especially E.W. Jackson. I mean, that was unbelievable. Uh, just everything that he would say was like just so deep and so such a revelation and I'm sitting next to Jacob and he we both look at each other I'm like dude what do we do after this like this is a cool event but like after it's done we can't just leave and not do anything so both of us had the same three takeaways and it was either to get in to get involved with your church for sure at the local level no matter what that looks like even if you're starting with a bible study so get involved with the church run for an office of some sort whether it be in your small town, in the city, governor, whatever. We're not sure what it looks like. And then number three is make sure that whoever we're going to be around, that the message that we believe in it has to be unified. So if, you ask, if there's three people, if you ask all of them separately, what do you believe in or you know, what's the motion here, they're all going to say the same thing. So... I was just like on fire for this stuff. I mean, I called Adrian. I was like, this is amazing. Like, I've never felt like, I've had chills before, you know, like sports moments and stuff like that. But like literally just like sitting in an audience and like hearing someone talk, I'm like, oh my gosh, like hair in my uh, arms were standing up and it was amazing. So um, if you put the first uh, scripture up, Olivia, I want to talk about um, the talents parable. So it says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. 
To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and you gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they will have will be taken from them, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So when Isaac asked me to preach, um, I just said yes. I didn't have anything prepared. because I, I just trust the Lord that he's always going to give me a revelation, and I, just, I, I believe that um, preaching is just telling someone a revelation that's, that God's given you. It's not the easiest thing for people. It's not for everyone either, but I just said yes, and I I feel like the Holy Spirit was telling me to do that. So then I was like, well, what should I preach about? And this this came up, and uh, I haven't really studied this a whole lot, but it definitely stuck out to me with, you know, fresh coming off the uh, Truth and Liberty Coalition conference. And it's like, gave me a whole new perspective on what this parable means. You know, we have, we have the inheritance. We have the anointing of Jesus and his sacrifice. And we didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But why are we so afraid to lose it or mess it up? Just like this story. It doesn't tell, in the beginning of the story, it never says how these three people earned the bags of gold. They were just given them. The guy just picked out three people and gave them bags of gold. doesn't say they worked for it or anything. But constantly through society today, <clears throat> the noise is so loud on why we should feel disqualified or why we how, how we're going to mess things up or be careful of this and be careful of that or feeling way bad for things that we think are sin, sin and ungodly. 
So I think one of the biggest things that has uh, been like a revelation in my life and speaking to this is obviously through Terry this uh, last week. I mean, I, I had texted Isaac one night and I was like, dude, I feel like we should do something. I feel like there's something that you know we need to do. So we got together, prayed, and he said something really important that, and I, I often echo this to him, and that's amazing, you know, in Christianity and having a tight bond with somebody. Sometimes the things that we tell others and have a revelation for in our heart ends up them telling it back to us. Uh, I was like, called him, and he's like, so what do, you, what do you got, man? You know, I texted him. I was like, I feel like we should do something. Didn't really act on it. I was just like, I don't really want to do anything. Whatever, I'll just say my own prayer for Terry. And he's like, he just called me. He's like, dude, just, just send it. Go for it. What do you want to do? Just, just say it. And I'm like, let's just get together and pray. He's like, all right, let's go. Let's get together and pray. Send a text out. Boom, send a text out. A couple people met out here in the parking lot, and we had an awesome time of prayer. And um, he brought his guitar and had a little worship, and it was awesome. It was very, you know, faith-filled, and it was life-giving. And I feel like uh, Terry received that. And this example of... Terry's life right now is amazing because I was talking to my wife last night and she said, you know how I know that Terry is receiving our prayer and how receiving healing and making progress? I was like, no, why? She's like, because he knows he can. Because he believes in the finished work. How many times do we pray for someone or we have them on a sheet of paper, like pray for this person? We don't know what, they're, what they believe. We know he believes in the finished work. We know he believes. So when we, when we pray how we did before worship, and when you get a word from the Holy Spirit, that's deep speaking unto deep. And I know that I had a dream last night, and it, said, and it was Terry just laying there, and it, I just had a revelation that said, it's easier for him to receive right now because he's physically incapable of trying to earn it. He physically can't. So his spirit is all he has. And if that was the case for all of us all the time, there would be no self-work. All of a sudden, we're out of the way and Jesus is the primary, which is how it should be anyway. So I have, I have often struggled with indecisiveness. And in the last couple of years, I have kind of flipped a switch to be decisive. <clears throat> In reading the Bible, you never hear about being indecisive. The Lord never tells us, like, oh, be indecisive, like, overthink. You know, make sure you, like, really, really ask a million people about what you should do or, like, a couple decisions. No, it's just be decisive. If you're going to be blessed in the country, blessed in the city, head not the tail, it doesn't say, like, head maybe the tail. Head not the tail. So I've really tried to like flip on the switch of indecisiveness or flip, flip it off indecisiveness and then just be decisive. And I've, I've had a, uh, just kind of like a really um, great revelation on something. This is, a, this is an example I want to set right now. So in Christianity, we, we like to overcomplicate things. So I mean, in the physical realm, I could jump off here and be okay, right? Everybody thinks like, I could probably hop down from here and be all right, right? Simple thing like that. But I mean, there's, there's some liability here. 
what if I jump down and my Achilles tendon just ruptures? Right? Could that happen? It could, yeah, exactly. And I believe I'd be healed. But it could happen, right? So if I, but this is, this is the way I feel about Christianity right now, especially in society. This is the revelation that I had when I asked about what I should pray for. It's, I just got this, this visual of me like going to jump off the stage and then constantly hesitating. So it's like if I were just to go jump off the stage, but I stopped at the end because there's something that's keeping me from doing it, because I'm doubting. And I think doubt is the greatest setback to growth. That's Satan's best weapon. It's one thing, that's the one thing he was using to get at Jesus. Are you really the son of God? He was getting him to doubt. So then what we want to do is we just want to make more noise. And we want to have like more production though, right? Because then it's going to make, me, make it easier. It's like, Kevin, if you spot me, if you spot me, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be fine. I'll be fine. It doesn't matter if I get injured or not. If you spot me, it'd be way better. So then I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. Okay, but hold on. Well, what if he sneezes in the middle of my jump? Then I can't land. I need him. So now there's another excuse. And it's just like we have this mental block that, you know, we, we pray for provision, but when we get this opportunity, we're just afraid to, to do it. And that's in everything. So I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> I, in, in, in doing this, a couple years ago, I, I asked God if I should pray for somebody. And I don't do this all the time, and I'm not saying to leave here and go do this. Go pray for someone. So ask God to lead you to a place where you should pray for someone. I mean, definitely ask for, for provision and definitely ask the Lord to make you a disciple. And if you're supposed to speak to somebody, speak. But I feel like when we get a, uh, you know, people are always like, I got to check in my gut or I got a gut feeling I should do this. That's the Holy Spirit, 100%. And I think that's good, good or bad. I've had times where I've been in the car, we're about to go do something, I get out. Got to check in my spirit, don't go. And that's real. But I've also been around people where I don't want to pray for them. Absolutely not. And I know that like, we always talk about our Bible say, it's like you're going to throw up. It's like, you're like, oh my gosh, stop, you know? It's like, hey, hey man, can I pray for you? I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you, you know? And then all of a sudden you feel better. That, that pressure's off. So I, I always ask for provision. Lord, lead me to the right people, right placing, right timing. So I had just asked God, I was just driving, like, uh, you know, asked me to go somewhere. So I went to Subway and prayed for this girl. Said she'd be wearing a yellow, a yellow coat and that she'd have blonde hair. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go here. So I just go there. I'm like, the reason that I got to being so bold in doing this is that I realized that the reward and what God wants out of us as a disciple is whether or not I saw the girl in a yellow coat, irrelevant. But the fact that I asked him and that I was just going on revelation knowledge, I was just stepping out of the boat. That's everything. That's, 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 how I, that's, how, that's what made me feel okay in doing it. It wasn't that I, was, that I had to find this girl. It was that I was trying to listen with spiritual ears and eyes. So I'm in, I was in Wauseon and uh, go to Subway, buy a Coke, sit down. I'm like, I'm going to be here for like two minutes, two minutes max. 
Nobody walks in here in a yellow coat, I'm gone. And I'm just sitting there, can't wait to leave. Left the car on, not trying to be here. Sure enough, man, like minute 30 hits, girl walks in, car pulls up, girl walks in, wearing literally like a yellow raincoat. And I was like, oh my God. <clears throat> like, what do I do here? So she orders, I get like a table by the, by the door. So I'm like, all right, I'll just, you know, I'll wait till she's about to leave. So she's about to leave and I'm like, okay, like God's proud of me regardless, right? I'm, I'm here. I see her. I'll pray for her when she leaves. Like, you know, that's fine. So I just stop her. I'm like, hey, I, I'm, this is weird. This is going to be weird, but I, I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. I'm literally here, didn't order any food. I just got this pop that I couldn't even drink because I was so nervous. I was like, I'm supposed to pray for you. And she just starts bawling. She's like, can I sit down? I was like, yeah. So she sits down, and I'm like, dude, this is wild. So she's like, why? so why are you here again? I said, I literally just like asked God, is there someone I'm, I'm supposed to pray for? And I just felt that I was supposed to go to Subway and pray for a girl in a yellow coat. And she's like, that's amazing. She's like, yesterday my best friend died in a car accident, and I told God in the shower this morning, if you're real, show me. I was like, that makes sense. So ever, for, ever since that point, I mean, I prayed for her, and just like I had chills. I was like in my car, like, what is life, man? Like, what is life? That's when, I, that's when, I, that's when the, the decisiveness kicked in. Like, what I'm hearing and what I'm feeling and these gut emotions that I get... These are from Jesus. And yes, we live in the physical realm. Yes, Satan is the author of all lies. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And yes, he's the prince of the world. And we are battling him every day. Don't think that we're exempt. When, he, when we get up, we're his biggest target. Why? We can make the biggest impact. So yes, we have to have discernment. We have to discern between these feelings. We have to know whether it's the Spirit talking to us, and there's constant battling of flesh versus Spirit. But what I wanted to communicate is <clears throat> doubt is the biggest setback to growth. You guys ever watched the show uh, Buried Alive, The Hoarding? That's, that's gross, right? The show's terrible. But like, if you think about it, those people are just average people that at one point in time, the first thing they saved, they didn't plan on it growing into a thousand items. They just saved something because just in case, right? Well, what if, like that's their motive. And most of those people like were either taught that or they were brought up in like an era, an era where the depression had hit, and so they're used to saving. But that becomes your DNA, that what if. And, well, just in case, I'm going to keep this. But then, then they become buried alive. That just in case and what if is just pure doubt. And in my opinion, don't, I'm not up here to say like, take Trey's word for it, but the revelation that's been put on my heart for 
that is any time that we're trying to do self-effort, it's like hoarding. Well, I know God's going to provide, but I better worry. I know God's going to provide, but let's talk about only my negative symptoms. Because it, it sounds awfully arrogant if someone asks you how you're doing and you say you're blessed, right? But why? Why is that? Why would you speak that type of truth? Why would you speak that type of positivity? Because when someone wants, how, how often do we hear people in the workplace, how you doing today? Another day in paradise. Living the dream. A lot of satire in that, right? Because they hate what they're doing or they're like trying to commiserate. How you doing? Another day working for the man. If you were to respond, how are you doing? I'm blessed. I'm just so thankful, man. I'm so grateful. We live in a great country where freedom isn't free and we get to wake up every day and have choice. That would be the most arrogant thing in the world. Regardless of what you own, your tangible items, where you live, what your job is, your income, that response would be arrogant. Because it's a turnoff to people. Well, how are you blessed? What makes you think you're blessed? Well, what makes me think I'm blessed is I am blessed. I decided to have Jesus Christ be my Lord and Savior, and I inherited something that is greater than anything in the world. So what I've decided in being decisive is I'm going to act on that inheritance. I'm going to walk in peace. I'm going to look at myself as blessed and grateful and look for these opportunities of provision. I'm in sales. like I'm a full commission sales rep. Nothing that we have any day is promised. If we make a sale, especially for a forklift, this is my time I get to talk about my business, okay? Because everybody else talks about farming, okay? You guys are going to learn about forklifts today, okay? So we sell, a, we sell a piece of machinery, especially to somebody around here. What do people around here do? We're old school, man. They make it last, right? It'd be tough for me to sell that guy another forklift because he's going to make it last. Be good for the next 15, 20 years. Okay, well, doesn't do well for commissions, does it? So when I, and I'm just talking just from like a very micro perspective here. In my job, I know nothing about machinery or anything. I've been doing this for 11 years now, and the Lord has provided has led me to amazing, amazing opportunities where I knock on a door during a cold call and the president of the company happens to be there. And what do I pray for before I go in? You can steal this. You can take this as like a cheat code. This is what I, the prayer I pray for every opportunity that I get. Before I make a cold call, before I take a phone call, before I meet with anybody. Thank you, Jesus, that they will see you through me. He is the vine, we are the branches. I'm operating in my confidence and my inheritance. And I have had people that have just given me deals, monstrous deals that they won't even bid to someone else. And they have no experience with me. They don't know who I am. They don't know where I come from. But they just happen to trust me. And I always tell my wife, I feel uncomfortable sometimes with how much people reveal to me. Like, there's times that people tell me too much. 
And I tell her, I'm like, why? Like, why, why is that? I don't, I feel like I have to carry this burden for them, you know? And then I think about it, I'm like, why am I even asking her why it, this is what I pray for. I pray that they will feel him through me, that I will be a conduit for the Holy Spirit. So I shouldn't be surprised when these situations occur. I should be expectant. We should expect things like this to happen. We should expect that our church is going to make an impact. We should expect that people are going to feel the presence of Jesus through us, whether it's meeting at a bar, meeting at a church, meeting at a basketball game, it doesn't matter. So in my decision to become decisive, I just said, okay, that's it. I'm no more indecision. If I feel the Holy Spirit say, pray for someone, pray for someone. So my second story is, I hadn't done this in a while. That first uh, example of praying, that was a couple years ago. And I hadn't done this in a while. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I want to try this again. I was at a customer appointment. And this was, local, it was, at, it was at Souders. I'm not going to reveal any names. But, you know, being a local account, you want to maintain a good image. You want to keep that business pumping. So I'm like, with my customer, also, you know, a lot of times we talk about stuff that's non-work related. He had just mentioned how he's like, yeah, I got to, you got to head out soon, man. I got a, I got a, I got a doctor appointment. I'm like, oh, okay. You all right? Which I would never ask that. Like that's, that's private. Like I shouldn't have asked that. But like, I was like, why did I ask that? He's like, oh, I got, you know, you know, bad dizziness and uh, I, I can't stand. And you know, I'm getting these mad headaches because like dizziness and vertigo and stuff. And I'm like, gosh, why am I feeling like this again? I got to pray for this dude. And I was just kept tiptoeing around it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I get up, leave his office, about to close his door. I'm like, oh my God, I got to pray for him. I got to ask him at least. And the physical part of me is like, I don't want to ask this guy because what if, th- what if this situation with him turns it off for everything? The valve is now closed for business because this got weird. Trey's the weird guy, the spiritual guy. We can't buy from him no more. That, it, nope, it's done. Because now it just got way awkward. What, what, what do I value? What do I value? That's, and that's what I've been going to lately. What do I value? Do I value my heavenly inheritance and my king, the reward that I will get in the kingdom? Absolutely. Do I think Jesus is true and every man a liar? Yes, I do. If I get fired for this, but I stepped out, in the spiritual realm, am I okay with that? Yes, I am. So I just asked the guy, I'm like, hey, listen, man, um, can I pray for you? I feel like I'm supposed to pray for you. Is that all right? He's like, like right now? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like right now. So I like shut his door real quick, and I was like, if you don't mind, I'm just going to put my hand on your shoulder if that's okay. And he's like, uh, yeah, I guess, that's fine. So I'm like, okay, cool. I just like said a prayer for him. Like, thank you, Lord. Symptoms be gone in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, we rebuke all these symptoms in your name, Lord. And this guy just like sat there, looked at me, and he's like, man, I really appreciate you. And I'm like, dude. You know, because... You fear. 
And that's, that's hard, man. That's hard to go from, you know, you, you, you view that you built this whole thing up your whole life. You know, like self-effort. I've done the right things. I've done everything else. And then you've got to flip on the spiritual switch. And it shouldn't scare us, but it does. It scares the, it's, it's scary. Because you don't want to ruin anything. But really, you should be enhancing it. And turning off that pride that I have for myself and what I've earned is like, because, you know, I do everything self-effort. You know, you got to look a certain part. You got to treat the customer a certain way. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to bet the house on Jesus. I'm going to take all this stuff that I've built up, like all the stuff that Trey Smith has done. Look how, look how, look what I've made into this customer. They've spent a million dollars. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to risk all that for Jesus. And that's like where my life has just taken a turn for the better because it's like you take all the stuff that you hype yourself up with and you just say, okay, I'm going to bet the house on Jesus. If I'm wrong, then I'm going to be wrong on this. So I think that the biggest turning point in my life has been after that conference, I mean, I knew that I had to pray for, I knew that I had a, had, a, had a spiritual leading to go into three different areas. And I have to implement those areas in every part of my life. And I think that we all need to. We all need to. We all need to decide that we're going to listen to, this, to the Spirit and that we're going to act on that. We got to stop letting doubt get in the way. The, all the what ifs, that's just, that's just reluctancy. And that's Satan trying to keep us from that growth. Just like he asked Jesus, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, he was trying to get himself to doubt. So when Isaac asked me to pray, I said, I know I'm supposed to pray for him. I'm supposed to give some, some part of my testimony about my personal growth and how I've gotten to a better season of my life lately. But I didn't want to seem like, you know, this is Trey Smith's, you know, I'm preaching from the Bible, I'm giving you word, and I'm just letting you know like how my heart has transformed from this. So I just wanted to uh, let everybody know that decisiveness can be from the Spirit, and that's the word I'm supposed to give you. So I appreciate you listening, and I want to pray for us, okay? Thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today with uh, spiritual ears to hear. Thank you, Lord just for the finished work. We're just so thankful that you came. You were born to die for us, Jesus. You were born to live a life of perfection because we cannot earn it. Every day we know it's a battle, Jesus. We're just so thankful that we get to rely on something that you've already finished. You were sacrificed for us on the Christ on the cross. Thank you, Lord for wisdom, for provision, prosperity, and favor, for right people, right placing, right timing, that we will not doubt the Spirit. And thank you, Jesus, that the people that we come into contact with will feel you through us. Thank you, Lord. We lift up Terry right now, and we just speak supernatural healing. We just rely on you and the Holy Spirit to enter that building, enter that room, enter his body, 
and to just transform everything. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. And that's what, we're, that's what we can rely on. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.